Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Valley Rise Church. Hey, welcome to part three of Freedom. Are y'all enjoying this series? You guys enjoying it? Man, again, y'all are real quiet for people that text me all week. Like, y'all, pastor, this series is awesome. I'm really loving it. And then I ask on Sunday morning, and you're like, I don't hmm. The more I thought about it, pastor, it wasn't that good. Hey, um, I, am, I am so excited to be here. For those of you, how many of you followed along with the saga this week that I was in? Okay. For those of you that are like, what? I will tell you. Um, I went to Colorado for some meetings for two days. And we're, we're up in like on this mountain. Um, I'm supposed to fly out Wednesday night. And so they say, hey, there's a blizzard coming. So I'm like, I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to move my flight to Wednesday morning. So I move my flight to Wednesday morning first thing. We get up early. I'm the first. There's five of us that leave out right when we wake up. It's already snowing, so I'm like, cool, we'll get out of here. We get like halfway down the mountain. We get stuck. Okay, so we finally get that van out. We get to the airport. Like, as I'm pulling up to the airport, they're like, hey, all the flights are canceled. Not, nothing flying out tomorrow. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to sit at the airport for another 24 hours. One of my best friends lives about 45 minutes from Denver. So I said, I'm going to rent a truck, drive over to his house, spend the night with them, and then I'll come fly out tomorrow. So I get over, I, I, I start on my way there. They close the main highway I'm on. So I look and there's a road that will take me across to another rural highway. As I'm crossing over to this rural highway, uh, I come upon what I didn't know then. It was, a bunch, it was like a 25 car pileup. I just knew traffic stopped for me, okay? Tried to go around the traffic because there was some cars that were just stuck. I get, everybody stuck. That moral story, we all got stuck. Okay. And for the next 11 hours, I sat in my truck stuck. They couldn't get to us. It was like 100 mile an hour winds. You couldn't see anything. You couldn't get out. Like my mom's calling. She's like, well, just get out the truck and go use the bathroom. I'm like, they will never find me if I get out of this truck. This will take me. They will, when summertime, they will find my body in this field. Okay. It was so cold. So for 11 hours, I'm out there in the truck just like, just chilling. Like people keep calling, what are you doing? I'm like, there's not much to do. I'm gonna be honest. Listen to podcasts, listen to music, just rethought my whole life. I don't know. I mean, there's not, there's 11 hours in the truck by yourself, you can do a lot. And um, so at like at 12.45 in the morning, a guy, an emergency truck pulls up alongside me in the media and then goes, hey, you know, do you wanna get out of here? I'm like, that's the worst question you could ever, are you asking everyone that question? Nope, I'd like to stay here. Like, yes, I wanna get out of here. So he's like, cool, hop in, you know, this, we got a snow cat. It's like this big, like, Humvee-looking thing, and you can get out of here with us, but you got to leave all your stuff, you know, bring a bag. So I pack up my little stuff I have, and we go, and they take us on this snow cat. It was way too small to fit the amount of people we had in it, and it was just like, I'm in the back of there, and I'm just like, this is the craziest. There's a lady across from me who doesn't really know what's going on. She, I don't know where she was from, but I don't think she spoke English well. There was a guy who's been trying to get snuck in a sto- stuck in a snowstorm for like the, his whole life. He was the happiest person in the world. Like, he's like, wasn't this a good time? It's a good time, right? I'm like, no, it wasn't a good time at all. I've been there for 11 hours in a truck freezing. No, it wasn't a good time at all. And then there was a girl next to me that clearly was from Colorado because she was um, higher than Tommy Chong on a Learjet. And she just kept looking at me going like, hey, you told me we're going to be okay. And I was like, I didn't tell you anything. I don't know you. I don't know you. Literally, she looks at me. She goes, you said it was just an easy drive, and we would be there. And I'm like, I didn't say that. Like, I don't know what to tell you. 
It was the craziest. They take me to a shelter. They put me in a shelter. Okay, I felt like I was back in Hurricane Katrina, literally. Like, you go, there's a shelter. I get into the shelter. The shelter's a trampoline park. So every, but I get there, like, last, and everyone's already got all the good trampolines. So I walk in, and, like, it's just, I'm like, I can't make this up. It was just, like, rows of people on trampolines leaving. So I'm like, well, I can, I got, like, I can sleep on the floor. They had, like, a kid's play thing, but I didn't want to climb up in that. I felt like that was a little too far. So I just laid down on the ground, slept for, like, four hours on and off, got up, spent the whole next day trying to get my truck out, finally got my truck out, drove 16 hours from the time I got my truck out until here yesterday, got in at like four in the afternoon, went straight to my son's baseball practice, how about that, and then um, now, now I'm, I'm here, so. <laughs> so if it comes out, yes, I am the snowman, if it comes out, if, if anything I say comes out today a little jumbled, you'll forgive me. Um, I'm on, I don't know if, if Carl likes a real thing, but that's what I feel right now. So let's pray and ask that it's God that speaks today and not me. Dear God, thank you so much for today. We're so grateful for what you're doing in us, God. We're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful for the freedom that you want to bring to our lives. God, I pray that today you would speak to us. Truly, it is your property to speak to your children, God. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would set us free, that we would see things in a different light. We love you with all our heart, Jesus. Bless our time together in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. So today we are talking about freedom. We've been in a freedom series. First one was freedom of the mind. Last week was freedom of the spirit. And this week we're talking about freedom from habits and addictions. I know you look at me like you don't have any habits or addictions. You guys, you guys. And a lot of times when you say addictions, people like to go like, well, pastor, that's, I'm like, I'm not a drug addict. You know, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a, but how about them like, Two bags of Skittles you've been eating every day for like 15 years. How, how, how about them honey buns you eat in the middle of the night? Because like, I think we all have habits and addictions that sometimes we just don't like to call them habits and addictions. You know what I mean? How many of you are honest enough to admit there's things you're, you have habits that you were addicted to? Mine, I'll just be honest with you all, I smell everything. Like if you're around me long enough, I smell everything. Everything I eat before I take almost every bite. I know you're like, that's weird. I know it's weird. Okay, I don't know why I do it. I just, I, I, I don't know. I've been doing it since I was a kid. We all have little things that maybe you would go, I would like to stop that. Maybe some of you go, I wish I smelled my food, Pastor. I struggle with things way worse. Okay, I do too. I'm just not going to confess to y'all, all right? We all have habits and addictions that you would look at and go, man, my life would be better if I could stop doing this. My life would be better if I had freedom from this. And today we're going to talk about why we have those things and how we can walk free from them. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. What is he saying? What is Paul telling us right here? Paul is telling us that this whole thing is spiritual. That we walk in our flesh, we experience life in our flesh, but this whole thing is spiritual. And in order to really understand how to get freedom from strongholds, freedom from addictions, freedom from habits, freedom from the things that you've been wanting to walk away from, you first got to realize that it's all spiritual. The whole lot of everything that the enemy throws at you is spiritual. Why? Because if he can blind us spiritually, then physically, it's like we talked about last week, you end up just wandering and not really affecting anybody's life because you're not in freedom. This whole thing is spiritual. And most of us will live our lives thinking, I know I'm just battling something physical. And oftentimes it can be that too. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying like you're not. But the enemy's goal is that we never realize we're in a spiritual battle. 
And if you're in a spiritual battle and you don't realize you're in a spiritual battle, the same thing happens when you're in a physical battle and you don't realize. If you were in a dark room and you kept getting punched in the mouth and you didn't realize you were in a fight and they turned on the, on the lights and there was somebody there prepared to fight you, you'd be like, I didn't even know we were in a fight. And he's like, I know, that's why I was beating you to death. So that is oftentimes what happens with the enemy is we don't even recognize that we're in a spiritual fight. And what Paul tells us is we walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare as Christians are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Why is that so important? Because if we don't understand that it's spiritual, we'll never walk in freedom. Freedom first starts spiritually. It's what we talked about last week. We first got to realize the freedom we have in Christ. Once we realize the freedom we have in Christ, it allows him to live through us. And now the things that our flesh used to struggle with, we begin to be set free from little by little. This is a process. I want all of you to know it's okay to be in process. It's okay to be in the queue. It's okay not to be okay all the time. And it's a process that God takes us through. And I think sometimes we can get frustrated with areas of our lives where we go, man, I do this so good, but I'm just so bad at this. You know, if I could just be this person all the time and not this person, man, life would be much better. And I want you to know you're both those people and you're on a journey and God's okay with the journey. The journey doesn't scare God like it scares us. God's taking you somewhere and the areas you struggle with will one day be a story to set somebody else free. But if you never struggled, you'd never have a story for God to use. God's desire is that we learn to walk in freedom in every area of our life, not just so that we can be free, but so that we can set other people free. How many of you know people need your story? Somebody needs your life experience. Somebody needs something you've walked through. And all of us walk through things in life that can be purposeful or purposeless. Every time we make a decision to use a test that we've walked through in our lives to help someone else, our pain becomes purposeful and not purposeless. Every time we choose to share our story with someone of maybe something we've walked through, something painful, something that you never thought you could get over, and you share it with someone else who's been through the same thing, all of a sudden your pain becomes purposeful and not purposeless. God's desire is that every struggle we have, we would be able to then turn around and use for his good, use to set someone else free. All of us have a story that somebody needs. I want to give you why do we have these addictions. How many of you ever asked that? Why? Why can't I stop doing this? And I know some of you think, you know, maybe, again, you're thinking drugs, you're thinking alcohol, you're thinking bad eating habits. But I think oftentimes there's more to it than that. I think we can be addicted to, to other people's approval. I think we can, be, we can be addicted to people liking us. There's nothing wrong with wanting people to like you, but we can be addicted to people liking us. I know y'all don't know what that means, okay? Y'all just look at me like, not me, Pastor Christian, but what would you like me to do to make you happy? We can be addicted to other people's approval, where we're constantly going out of our way to do whatever we can not to offend someone, to make someone else happy, to make sure they're okay, to make sure. God's design was never for us to live addicted to anything but the love of God. And if we try and replace that with anything else, we will always fall short. It will always leave us empty. Some of you are addicted to love. Addicted to love. You know, when I, was in, when I was in high school, college, I had those friends just addicted to love. Every time you talk to them, they're in love. You know, I found the one. I'm like, this is the fourth one you've told me about this month. So, like, is it the one or the fourth one? Or, like, how are we, how are we numbering these? Because I'm trying to keep up. And we can become addicted to anything, but God's desire is to walk in freedom. Why? Before we can understand how to deal with our addictions, our frustrations, our hurts, our habits, we've got to understand why we end up there in the first place. 
oftentimes we never take the time to sit down and go, why do I do this? Why do I have this addictive personality to this? Or why do I need people to accept me and like me? Or why do I get... We've got to answer the question why. I want to give you three reasons that I found that I believe help us answer why. Number one, to cope. To cope. We're trying to cover our hurts. What is it? It could be addiction. It could be drinking. It could be relationships. It could be, but oftentimes when we get hurt, instead of just dealing with what has hurt us, it's easier to cover it up with something else. You know why there's so many country songs about people getting their heart broken and drinking whiskey? Okay, because whiskey makes your heart, your heart not hurt, okay? <laughs> All of a sudden, your heart hurts less and less and less. But it's the world's way of dealing with something that God never designed us to encounter. And so there's so many songs about it because it works for a little bit. How many of you know the enemy will give you a fix that works for a little bit? He'll give you a quick relief that's okay for a little bit. And it doesn't matter if it's an addiction to alcohol, if it's an addiction to a relationship, if it's an extramarital affair, if it's something that you're watching or something. It will always satisfy you for just a little bit. And you will always be found wanting again and again and again. And it's why Jesus goes, listen, I'm the living water. Drink from me and you will never thirst again. What is he saying? Drink from my approval. Drink from my fulfillment. Drink from my refreshment. And if you can find your source of life, your source of being, your source of purpose in me, you'll never go looking for it again. It doesn't matter what relationship walks away from you. It doesn't matter what difficulty you encounter. It doesn't matter what hurts have you've endured. If you will allow Jesus to fill them, you will never thirst again. You won't go back looking at the same thing you used to. But many times... When we're trying to cope, listen, I get this. There is a real thing called pain, and there's an emotional pain, and there's a a spiritual pain, and there's a psychological pain. I understand this. Okay, Christian, how do you really, many of y'all have heard me share my story. I lost my brother three years ago, a little over three years ago, in a motorcycle accident, 20 years old. You want to know pain? Sit around with your parents while they're grieving and weeping and your, your brothers and your siblings. And, and I'm the pastor, so I'm the one that's like, hey, everything's going to be good. Glory to God. Can someone give me a thousand beers so I don't have to feel anything? <laughs> I feel that. That's real. You walk through tough stuff and all of a sudden you go, is there any way I can just get a little relief? Is there any way? But the problem is the devil's just looking for a little chance to get you addicted to something little that ends up keeping you longer than you ever wanted to stay and turning into something big in your life. God's desire is that when we cope, we would cope with him. Number two, to fit in. Why do we end up in addictions or habits? To fit in. I know y'all didn't, y'all didn't, in high school, y'all weren't trying to fit in, okay? But let me tell you, I was trying to fit in. I was trying to fit in like hard. I know, y'all like, Christian, you were probably so cool in high school though. Wasn't everyone trying to fit in with you? Yes, but I was just being humble about it. So um, I, I wanted to fit in. And I'll never forget first time I got in a truck full of guys and a guy goes hey man you want to dip and I'm like I don't even what's a dip like, I don't even know what that is it's like 12 or 13 he's like I oh, just put it in your lip you're good you know so I put this thing in and dear Lord Jesus I went on a ride <laughs> if you have never dipped before don't ever do it if you have you understand exactly what I mean and all of a sudden it was like a whole new world <laughs> And I remember the next time I was with him, I wanted to do it. The next time I wanted to do it, and I continued to dip for probably the next 10 years of my life. It was something that became a habit to me. When I was, and I didn't even, here's the deal, I didn't even like it when I was by myself. But when I got with people, throwing a hog. When I got with people, out in the hunting, when you, all of a sudden, 
it changed who I was. And now, I didn't even do it when I was by myself, but I loved doing it to fit in. We all have areas. That's why they call people social alcoholics. What does that mean? That means you literally are only an alcoholic when you're socially drinking. What are they really saying? You want to fit in so bad that you're willing to do whatever it takes to fit in to party every time you're with people. And oftentimes we get that same way in habits in our life. Man, I never do this, but when I get with this group of friends, poo, pass the sun, get up on me. I'm just going to go wild. Loose as a goose. Don't get me started. All of a sudden, when you get with your friends, <laughs> you can tell who listens to that song by their reaction to it on their face. This is the good thing about it. <laughs> um, when you get with people, you begin to act differently. You begin to do things maybe you'd never do if it was just you and Jesus. But your desire to fit in, your desire to be like them, your desire to feel welcome causes you to push boundaries you'd never push by yourself. To cope, to fit in, and the number two, I call it to carry on. To carry on, what is that? Carry on is the things that have been passed down in your family from generation to generation. Generational strongholds that you, your, you know, your dad struggled with it, and your grandparents struggled with it, and, you, and their grandparents struggled with it. And, and oftentimes we like to, to, to just explain it away and rationalize it by, oh, well, you know, this is, this is how my daddy always was. This is how my mama always was. This is how... And the enemy loves that because there's nothing he hates more than when somebody stands up and goes, I know that my grandfather was like that and I know that my father was like that, but I'm going to do something different for my children. I'm going to create a different experience for my family. I'm going to do something that they weren't willing to do to take care of them. Oftentimes we can rationalize habits and addictions by just going, well, you know, everyone in my family is like that. And how many of you know that only makes sense to us in that moment? It doesn't make sense to the people that you're hurting. It doesn't make sense to the people that are suffering because of our habits or our addictions or our things that we're caught up on. It only makes sense to us in that moment because we've lived with it so long and we've seen it carried on so long in our family that all of a sudden it just becomes common and normal. But I believe that God's desire is never for us to live with addictions, with habits, with these things that's to only cling to him. So what's the fix? What's the fix for the things that you have? And only you know. Here's the deal. Only you know what those areas are. I'm not going to make you stand up and be like, yes, pastor, it's me. I struggle with lust. Thank you. <laughs> like, that's not, only you know what those things are. And hopefully someone in your small group that you could talk to. Only you know what those things are. And only you know the nights that you spent going, God, if I could just not do this again. God, if I could just not end up here again. God, if I could just, if I could just one time, God, if I could beat this thing. Only you know what those areas are, but I want you to think about them today as I begin to give you what I believe is God's fix for our habits and addictions. Romans 7, 24. I have tried everything and nothing helps. How many of you have ever felt that way? I've tried everything. Nothing helps. We've got four honest people. I've tried everything. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Now, let me stop and tell you this. This is Paul. Okay? Paul, the greatest Christian of all time. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, okay? Paul, who was persecuted for Jesus, Paul, like, like he loved Jesus a lot. So this is not a, a determination of if you love Jesus enough, you'll get over it. Okay, Paul was willing to do anything for Jesus, and he felt this way. And here's what he says. Is there, not, is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer Thank God is that Jesus Christ can and does. 
He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. Where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. What is he saying? He goes, thank you, Jesus, that even in my weakness, Jesus created a way for me to be right with God. It goes back to what we talked about last week, seeing ourselves as right before God and knowing that Jesus knows your weaknesses before you know your weaknesses. And Paul goes, what is the fix to getting over this? And he says, the fix is understanding that Jesus has already and will already care for everything that you walk through in your life. He knows the struggles that you have. He knows the frustrating addictions and habits that you walk with. He knows all of these things that we struggle with. And he goes, what's the fix? Seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. Seeing yourself the way Jesus sees you. So what is the fix? Number one, I want to give you three ways to fix these addictions. And listen, this is not a one-fix message. This is not going to fix your whole life. Okay, You're not going to try these three things, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm not addicted to crack cocaine anymore. Like, this is awesome. It's just... This is a process, and a process that includes people, and a process that includes staying, and a process that includes plugging in, and a process that includes allowing God to do something in your life. Because you didn't get where you are right now overnight, and you won't get out of it overnight. You, got it, you will get out of it the same way you got into it, by hanging around the right people instead of the wrong people, by being at the right places instead of the wrong places, by spending time doing stuff that's pleasing to God and not stuff that's disheartening to God. You, got, you will get out of it the same way you got into it. Does that make sense? Does everyone understand that? Number one, God won't fix what we fake. God won't fix what we fake. Those notes at the end were just for me, Josh, but that's okay. Um, admit it and submit it. Um, <laughs> it was just for me. I didn't think anybody was going to see it. It was just my preacher mind. I was like just writing stuff out, you know, in my, in my office. God won't fix what we fake. Admit it and submit it. Um, the first way that God ever does anything in our life is by us coming to him and going, hey, I've got issues. I've got issues. You know the person who doesn't get help with their issues? The person who doesn't acknowledge their issues. And I used to always tell our team, listen, the biggest consequence of you coming to me and saying I need help in an area is that you get help. The enemy has convinced us that if we go to somebody and open up and tell them what we really struggle with, that they're going to be like, oh, my God, no. not. <gasps> we don't deal with that sitting here. You need to go to another church. Like, We can't deal with that. And the truth is, when you do open up and go, hey, here's what I'm struggling with, 99.9% .9 of the time, the person you're telling is like, oh, bro, I've been there. I am there. I was there. Like, I'm 100%, I've struggled with that. But isn't it amazing how the enemy convinces us that no one's ever struggled with what you struggle with? Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. If they really knew you, you know, then they wouldn't want you here. If they really knew the real you, then they, cool, they'd be scared of what, you're different. Just don't, just don't tell anybody. And we walk around with these secrets and we walk around with these hurts and we walk around with these addictions. That God's going, if you would just sit down and talk with somebody who loves you and who's willing to help you, there would be more freedom in that one conversation than all of your trying and striving by yourself. Why? The Bible says man confesses sin to God for forgiveness and people for healing. Go to one another, confess your sins so that you may be healed. We get forgiveness from God, but healing comes when we sit across from someone and go, hey, I've got stuff that I'm dealing with. I've got junk I need help with. And it doesn't stop until we begin to admit it. And it doesn't stop until we start to be open about what is actually going on in our lives. When we sit down with someone and just go, hey, I'm, 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 I don't have it all together. And listen to me, the, if Valley Rise Church is a place for anything, it's a place for people that don't have it together. It's a place for people that don't have it together. It's a place that we're all on a journey. 
and we're at different stages of this journey, but not one of us here would be like, listen, I've got it all figured out. I'm the pastor. Listen, I'm the pastor, and I'll tell you, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still, this message is just as much for me as it is for you. There's areas in my life that I go, God, why can't I get this right? This is all of us, and we're all on this journey together. And God's desire is that we would do it together and not alone. God won't fix what we won't fake. We've got to be open about what we're struggling with. Admit it and submit it. Number two, I got to die to my flesh daily. I got to die to my flesh daily. What does that mean? That doesn't mean kill yourself daily. That means Paul goes on to tell us, what is it, Romans 6. Romans 6, 12, sin is a dethroned monarch. So that's what he means. When you become a Christian, now sin is dethroned. It's not ruling your life. The Spirit of God is ruling your life. Sin is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. You ever been there? You ever been there where something that you're addicted to controls your desires and your cravings? I got a good one for you. How about, how about the gym? How about gym rats? You could be addicted to the gym. Y'all see this body? I got here by not being addicted to the gym. Um, you can be addicted to the gym. I have friends that I would work with, and like, if we'd go out to dinner, and they'd be like, sorry, I can't eat anything on this menu, but I brought a raw tuna with me. Bam. You're like, wouldn't you catch that? That thing smells. Like that's... It would rule their whole life. Be in the middle of hanging out, church going on, worship happening. Hey, got to run, get a quick left in, got to work these chests out. Bam, bam, bam. I'm like, we're in the middle of worship, bro. Yeah, but if I get off my schedule, you know, it messes me up. Throws off my clock. I'm like, I don't even know what any of that stuff means. Got to get my wad in. Like, you know, what is that? You know, what? People that work out just say stuff that I think they make up that we don't, none of us understand. And they just say it to make us feel bad. You know what I mean? Um, but trust me, you're not shaming me, okay? <laughs> Shame me all you want. I'm eating crawfish and I'm not going to the gym. Um, <laughs> controlling how you live and compelling you to obey desires and cravings. So then what's the answer? So then, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Listen, this is so important. Refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Let me pause right there and just show you what that looks like. It's when you're alone and you're doing good and everything's going great and the enemy whispers in your ear, you know that thing you like to do, you should go do that. And it's the thing that you've been going, I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to, man, I have no desire to go there. I have no desire to be with these people. I have no desire to look at this. I have no desire to listen to this. I, have, I don't want to do this. And we have an opportunity in that moment that the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And it comes down to us being able to go, if I can, if I can be bold for about five seconds and just go, no, I don't want that. Jesus, I refuse to allow my body to be a tool for wickedness. I'm going to push towards you. Jesus, I'm going to put on worship music. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to do whatever i got to do. And most of the times what you'll realize is that if you just put up a little bit of a fight, that the enemy is gone. If you just put up a little bit of resistance against the habit, a little bit of resistance against the addiction, a little bit of resistance against the enemy, that it, it's gone. But most of us can't get through the, ten, the, the, the little 10-second battle that happens in our mind where we go, no, I don't want to do it, okay, I don't want to do it, okay, maybe just one more time. And we end up giving in. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, instead, what does that mean? He means let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you what the other option is. Passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. 
Here's the most important part. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. What does that mean? He goes, listen, you've got to shift your whole perspective. Now, this isn't a battle of over if you're going to heaven or going to hell. Once you're a believer, this is a battle of whose purpose are you going to live out in your body? Are you going to use your body to fulfill the things that the enemy wants you to fulfill? Or are you going to use your body to fulfill the things that God's called you to fulfill? This isn't a battle of heaven and hell once you become a Christian. This is a battle of are you going to walk in purpose? And every time we walk in addictions and habits that pull us away from Jesus, we walk out of our purpose that God designed us to walk in. This is about purpose, because purpose is what affects the enemy once you become a believer. Listen, he's fine with you going to heaven. He's like, you want to go to heaven? That's good. Just don't take anybody with you. Just don't love anybody while you're on earth. You can go to heaven. Just don't, just take yourself, okay? Don't take nobody else with you. That's his goal. And when we walk in purposes that aren't what God called us to walk in, addictions, habits, hurts, frustrations, relationships, all of these things that we'll walk bound in, we allow ourselves to be taken out of the purpose that God called us to and put into a purpose to use our body for something it was never called to be used for. God, that was good. I mean, if you guys clap, I drove 16 hours. I just want to be loved. Number three. Manuel, you can come up here. Number three, we got to fall in love with Jesus. And I know you go Christian, that seems so cliche. I'm sorry, it was hour 11 in the truck and I didn't have anything else. No, I'm just kidding. Um, fall in love with Jesus. And I think you hear that a lot, but I don't think sometimes we understand fully what it means. Romans 12. Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. So remember, he's going, you don't have to do this on your own. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, okay? That's all of us. I don't care what you do, that, this is all of us. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life. Y'all all live that life, okay? I'm assuming we're all on the same page. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Think of that. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing that you can do for him. You know why? Because loved people love people. And hurt people hurt people. And angry people get angry towards people. And frustrated people get frustrated with people. But loved people love people. And when you embrace what God has done for you, and you recognize the love that he so greatly poured out upon you, all of a sudden you become a vessel for his love. The greatest thing that you can do is act in love with God. Because when you are in love with God, it radiates through every part of your life. Have you ever had a friend that was in love and was mad at everybody? No. They're in love. They love everything. They're in love. They walk in there. They're brighter. They're happier. Their conversations are better. The relationships are better. Everything they do is better. Why are you so happy? I'm in love. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. I'm just kidding. V is very, very. When you're in love, extraordinary. You can, when you're in love, those 16 hours were really long. It changes everything. It changes everything. When I'm in love with my wife, okay, and you go, in love with your wife, you don't, aren't you in love with her all the time? If you're not married yet, shut up. You don't know, okay? You go through waves. When I'm in love with my wife, it's easy for me to do things for her. 
It's easy for me to, I walk to the grocery store, I'm just like, God, my wife's fine, man. I love that chick. Look, these flowers, these are fine. Give me them flowers. I'm going to bring her those. I just, why? Because I'm just thinking about her. All of a sudden, any frustrations or addictions or things that were holding on to me now are shifted by where my, my love is directed at. And when you direct your love into God's heart and his love into your heart, all of a sudden the other things seem to lose the feeling that they had. Embrace it. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Listen to this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture. What does that mean? You're normal. Your family backgrounds. The things that they consider normal. The things that your work considers normal. The things that, that your relationships around you consider normal. The things TV considers normal. The things, don't become so well-adjusted to culture that you forget that you're fitting into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed. Here's, here's the trick, okay? Here's the trick. Because all of addiction is most of the time us trying to fix stuff. Okay, if I can just stop myself from doing this, then I'll get better. If I can stop myself from looking at that, I'll get better. If I can stop myself from drinking this, taking this, smoking this, thinking of this, if I can stop myself, then I'll get better. And what does God say? He goes, no, you're missing it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. He goes, what is the fix? The fix isn't changing the outside. The fix isn't disciplining your body enough. The fix isn't stopping yourself from doing something when you stop. The trick is falling in love with God and you will be changed from the inside out. That all of a sudden, the things that used to get to you don't get to you anymore because your eyes are set on Jesus. What does that look like? Let me make it very simple for you. When you're driving down the road and you want to act out on something, you want to say something, you want to think something, you want to go someplace, you want to smoke something, whatever your addiction is, and that moment that you feel it come up, you turn your attention to God and go, you know what, God, I'm going to set my eyes on you. I'm going to fix my attention on you. God, change me from the inside out, God. I want to love you more than anything, God. There's nothing more important than pleasing you, God. All I want to do is give you all that I have. Use me, God. And most of the time, you pray like that for 15 seconds, all of a sudden, it's like whatever was pulling on you isn't pulling on you anymore. We gotta learn how to battle in this. You gotta learn that when the enemy attacks you, put on some worship music, pray out loud, do what you gotta do to fight the devil. Because this is a very real spiritual battle. But if you don't ever realize that you're in a spiritual war, you will get beat a hundred out of a hundred times. God's desire is that we recognize what we're in so that we can battle it. And he created a way for us to battle it. We gotta be honest. We gotta, we gotta admit it. Admit it and submit it. You're going to remember that tomorrow. Die to my flesh daily. Every day I've got to kill myself. Every day I've got to kill the parts of me that want what I want. Every day the parts of Christian that just want to do whatever Christian wants to do. How many know that's a scary thing? Maybe, maybe it's just me. If I did whatever I wanted to do, it would be scary. You would not want me to be your pastor. Every day I have to discipline me and go, Christian, your body has a purpose. Your life has a purpose, and it's to push people closer to Jesus. Don't let the enemy use your body to carry out sin's wicked plans. Because God has got a purpose and a plan for us, and sin and the enemy has a purpose and a plan for us. And depending on which path we walk is depending on the amount of people that we affect. There are people in your life that need you to win your battles, not for you, but for them. 
There's people in your life that need you to win for them. You know who needs me to win? My son. He needs me to win. My daughter, she needs me to win. Alex needs me to win. Y'all need me to win. (laughs) There are people in your life that are counting on you to win. That they're going, man, if he could do it, then I could change. If he could get over it, then I could get over it. And God designed this whole thing that way so that when we win, everybody wins. But the bad part of that is when we fall, oftentimes we take people with us. People are counting on you. People need you to fight, not just for you, but for them. And then lastly, we got to fall in love with Jesus. Listen, this whole freedom thing, every, 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 series, every message, this has been a key component of it. Because you can't do any of this stuff if you're not in love with Jesus. You can't do any of this if you're not in love with Jesus. If this is about your self-discipline and how much you can stop yourself and how much you can practice self-control, you will always end up wanting. You will always end up failing. You will always end up frustrated. When it becomes about what Jesus can do through you, all of a sudden, you start winning. And you know what the beauty of it is? is It doesn't become about how good you are. You still so recognize the grace of God. That when people go, man, how did you stop? Instead of just going, well, you know, I did this, and man, I'm just, I'm so, I got insane self-control. So much self-control. You should see my level of self-control is like, yours is here, mine's like here. A lot of self-control. To go and, I, I just did it, I, I don't know, it was Jesus. Jesus inside of me empowered me to change. And it becomes about Jesus and not about you. The whole process of walking in freedom is not just so that you can be free. It's so that you can set a world around you free. There are people that need you free. There are people that need you free. And I love what Paul says, take your everyday ordinary life. Sometimes you look at your life and you go, I'm a Christian. I mean, listen, you get to preach, you get to travel, and you get to, I just, I work at like a bank. Guess what? God put you at that bank for those people that are there with you. God put you there because he entrusted you with those relationships. Take your everyday life. You're working, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're drinking, the things that you do every day, and make them as impactful as you can for the kingdom of God. Every day when you walk into work, you are an undercover agent for the grace and the love of Jesus. He's sending you there because somebody needs that love. I got to the refugee shelter in Colorado, and I'm looking around going, God, I don't know why you put me here, but obviously there's somebody here that needs to be loved on. There's somebody here that needs to hear about you. There's somebody here that... We've got to think of ourselves as agents of grace and love for Jesus. If not, we'll forget our purpose and we'll end up getting caught up in all these little things and we won't ever be able to stop them because we don't recognize our purpose is bigger than what we're stuck in. I've worked with addicts a long time, a long, long time. I've had friends that have beat it, and it's awesome. I've had friends that have lost to it, and it's horrible. And people always call me, and they go, what's the trick? You know, my son's addicted. What's, what's, what is the trick? There's only one thing that has ever worked in all of the time that I've worked with addicts. There's only one thing that works. It's when they find a purpose that fulfills them more than whatever they're currently doing. 
When they realize that there's a purpose that God created you for that will fulfill you more than any drug, more than any habit, more than any relationship, more than any high, more than that God's purposes and plans fulfill you on a level that none of those things can even touch. How many of you know God has a purpose and a plan for you just like that? And when you walk in it fully, it will fulfill every single area that you're trying to cover up. It will fulfill every hurt. It will fulfill every past family wound. It will fulfill the thing. And all of a sudden, you'll look at those things and go, I don't even want to touch it because running with God and my purpose is so much more fulfilling. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful that you are a God of freedom. God, that your desire is for us to have freedom in every area of our life. That we wouldn't just be free, but we would be free indeed, God. God, today we come to you and we recognize there's areas of our lives that we'd have allowed habits and hurts and addictions and culture to infect us, God. Impact us. Hook us. Get us stuck on a treadmill that we never intended to be on. God, there's areas that maybe we've, we've given in over and over and over and over again. But we know that it was never your desire for us to be stuck in them. Today, God, we want to be free. We want to be free, God. We want to be different. We want to walk free so that we can set the world around us free as well. God, today we ask that you would come and you would bring freedom to our hearts and freedom to our minds. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and we've done this every week only in this series, and I love it, but again, it's between you and Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's an addiction, if there's a habit, if there's something that we, this the whole time you've been going, God, this is it. I know, I, God, I know what you're putting on my heart. I know what you're pinpointing. I just want you to slip your hand if I want to pray for you. And I pray for God to bring freedom in those areas of your life. Whatever it is, you don't have to tell anybody. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Amen. Okay, you put your hands down. I just want you to open your hands in your lap and receive that God's going to bring freedom. He's going to bring freedom. Dear God, right now, you see each and every person. God, you see those that are bound that have been begging God for you to set them free. They've been frustrated with themselves. They've been frustrated with the process. They've been frustrated with getting stuck in the same loop again and again. But today, everything changes. Today, it stops. Today, the chains fall off. Jesus, you said that it's your anointing that breaks the yokes and the chains. And today, God, we ask that your anointing would break off every yoke and every chain. We ask that your anointing, God, would remove every addiction, that there would be a freedom that they walk in. When they walk out of this door, that they're never the same. That they don't put their hands to things, God, that are displeasing, but they grab onto you and go, God, I want you more than anything else. And God, that your grace covers them in the times that they fall. God, I ask that your anointing would break off every addiction, every lie of the enemy, every hurt, every wound. God, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do, God. Break every chain, we pray. And let this be a new season that they walk in freedom. Not just free, but free indeed. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here that are like, Christian, I've never even been in a relationship with Jesus, like what you're talking about. Maybe you've encountered religion, you've encountered church, but you've never had a relationship with Jesus where you fell in love with God. Or it wasn't based on what you could do or couldn't do for him. It was based on how much you fell in love with Jesus. And if that's you and today you just say, Christian, 
I want to begin that relationship. I want to start that relationship. I need that. Every head bowed, every eye closed between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. Now just repeat after me. You can say it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can whisper it in your heart. This is between you and God as long as you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, today I recognize how bad I need you. I don't want church. I don't want religion. I want a relationship with you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven and earth, from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. And then you died the death I deserved. So I wouldn't have to. I believe that you were raised to life on the third day to give me freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to follow you. I choose to love you. I choose to serve you with all of my heart. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those who just made the greatest decision in their lives? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, so many hands, so many hands praying for freedom. Listen to me. Sit down with somebody this week. Have a conversation. Nobody, the, the, people aren't scared of what you're walking through, I promise. And if they are, they're the wrong people. Find somebody, have a conversation about what God is doing in you. Don't let the enemy silence you. Bring from the, open your mouth so that God can bring freedom to those areas of your heart. The greatest consequence you can get for asking for help is help. That's it. It's help. Don't let the enemy shame you. Don't walk in condemnation. The devil is a liar. God loves you. He is proud of you. He has you on a journey. You are in process. He knows exactly where you are. He knew where you are last month. He knows where you'll be in five years. God's not scared of your journey. Let's walk in freedom. Let's walk in freedom so that we can impact the world around us. Hey, if you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we got three ways you can do that. You give in, in the offering envelope when they pass the buckets. Um, you can also put your connection cards in there. If this is your first time, we'd love to send you something. If you got saved today, there's a box that says you got saved. We'd love to send you some information, follow up, help you on your journey. Um, you can put all that in there. You can give online at valleyrisechurch.com or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. This doesn't happen without you guys. Um, and we are a part of an organization called ARC, which is the, the church, um, it's like a church planning organization. And every month we take a percentage of this, we give back to plant churches that are being planted all over. Now, what's cool about that is, let me tell you this, I'm in Colorado, okay? I'm stranded. I'm on the, my phone on Instagram, just like hoping somebody will be like, hey man, like I'll help you out. So I'm, I'm checking in and broadcasting and, and I say in one of them, there has gotta be an ARC church planner somewhere around here, okay? Cause like we're all over the country. There's gotta be somebody here. And if I find out that there was a church planner in this area that didn't reach out to me during this, I'm gonna be so mad. Like 10 minutes later, my phone goes off and it's a guy that goes, hey, I saw your broadcast. We're planning a church. We, we launched this weekend. It's our first Sunday. I'm 20 minutes from you. I've got guys, shovels. I'm coming. We're going to help. We're going to get you out. Okay, that's how I got out. <laughs> you want to talk about the amazing body of Christ? 
that the same churches we're sowing into every Sunday ended up being the salvation that I desperately needed, okay, after 11 hours. Only God knows that. But there are churches all over the country this morning launching just like this. Churches that are gonna be doing this. And so what a God thing that I got to sit with him for about three hours at lunch and just talk about what to expect and give him what his first year is gonna look like and encourage him and cheer him on. And only God knows those things. But it doesn't happen without you guys. So we're so grateful. Hey, I'm gonna pray over this and we'll get out of here. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. God, thank you for every gift and every giver. God, we know that we bring back to you what's already yours. It's not ours, God. You gave it to us and we return it to you so that we can continue to reach the world. God, thank you that our investment ends up coming back in ways we didn't even recognize. God, we pray for Gateway City Church this morning, God. We ask that they would just have the greatest launch ever. We ask that they would do amazing things, God, that you would give them the city of Denver, that it would just be a revival of what God wants to do in that city, that you would use them to do it, God. Be with Will and Suzanne. Bless them, God, I pray. Let this be the greatest Sunday they could ever imagine. Thank you that we get to play a small part in it, God. Pray that you would bless our people. Watch over us, God. Let us have the best week ever. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.